Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Bye-bye. Right. We're 100% live. Hopefully our voices sound like us. Right. And, and, and my voice sounds like a real person right now. We're, we're still clear on that. It does. Everybody, welcome to the Orange is the New Black podcast. I am your host this evening. My name is Zim Hude. I am here with Andy Beersack. How are you doing this evening, Andy? I'm doing great, and I'm impressed that you nailed the pronunciation on the first try there. Like, that is on the last name. Very, very good. Because generally speaking, it's a weird last name. People fuck with it. They'll just say Andy Black just to get out of having to say it. So much appreciated. No, I, I, you know what's so crazy? When I first ever talked to you, so we were just talking about this off air. When I first ever talked to you, I said, who the hell is this guy? You know, like, so I started, like, watching some stuff, and then, you know, I heard I heard the correct pronunciation. So that's one thing I'm, I wanted to make sure is very clear. It's kind of hard to mess up Zim, so I, I think I'm, I'm giving you the easy way out on that one. Fair enough. Yes, I would agree with that. Zim is, you know, it's, it's right there. It's three letters. You can't get much easier. Bro, somebody just hit me just now. Three people actually. This is so dope. I'm just I'm just going hundred percent wing this. But three people hit me just now. Do you know that they said that man? It's so dope that you're about to interview him because that's the reason why I watch Bengals football. Like they didn't know anything about football. Because yeah. you do a lot of shows like out of the country. So yeah. there's a there's a lot of people that are just rocking with the Bengals on the strength of you're you and you like the Bengals. Well, you know how it is, like it's it's such a specific interest. You know what I mean? Like, I, I've lived in L.A. my whole adult life. And, you know, I wear, I wear Bengals shit most days of my life. And even, even you know, in the last 10 years, like, most places that I go, if I'm wearing a Bengals hat with a B, somebody's like, oh, you're a Browns fan? You know what I mean? Like, there's just no, there's no awareness for the team. And it's such a bizarre thing to be this team that has a really dedicated fan base, but is doesn't really have national or international attention. So for me... Growing up in Cincinnati, I grew up in Delhi uh, on the west side, and it's just been such a part of my life, my whole life. That um, I don't know. I, I you know I went to Riverfront Stadium as a kid with my dad, season tickets, went to all these games. Heartbreak my whole life, and it's just always been you know it is like if you if you get to a position where you have any kind of microphone and people are caring about what you have to say, I've always liked to be able to talk about the things that were. Um, you know, formative for me. So growing up, Bengals football with my family was just such an important thing. So if I go to Germany or whatever else and I'm wearing this pin or, you know, on stage, I'll play these festivals and I've got Bengals. I got any of my in-ear monitors have Bengals helmets on them. Like people are always asking about it. And sometimes kids that don't necessarily even know about American football will get into the sport. And let's be honest, the helmets are a very introductory thing for a lot of people. They see that helmet and they're like, what, you know, what is that? Right. You cannot deny, like, the colorway. I saw, um, I don't know, like, you know, I, I, you're, you're super fashionable. I just saw, like, a Louis Vuitton collabo, uh, collaboration or something, yeah. and, and they got the, the orange and black. It's like a jersey. Yeah. I'm going to show this to you, but it's just so crazy. I was telling Ace the other day, I was like, man, it's crazy how, like, just the orange and black colorways alone are just such a yeah. big part of, like, fashion and, like... Yeah. Every couple of years, it like lightning strikes again. I remember Beyonce wore like a, a Carson Palmer like dress or something. Yeah. And every 
And everybody hit me and was like, man, she's a Bengals fan. I'm like, nah, bro. Like, it's just fashion. Like, Bengals yeah. is just, like, it's just Remember part a of a couple it. years ago, I think, didn't Virgil have the models wearing Bengals helmets? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and that's the thing for me. It's like, you see all those little things. And, and you know, as a fan of a team that isn't like uh, what we call like a legacy team or a heritage team or like always getting all the attention. It's so cool when you get those little nuggets uh, of stuff over the years. But I will say this is sort of funny. With what we got going on right now, I was telling my producer this this morning. It's the first time in my life that I can really remember like bandwagon Bengals fans. Like it's exciting, you know what I mean? Like I and I, I guess I didn't. I didn't never knew how I'd feel seeing people who were like, "Oh, I just got into the Bengals," or "They're my favorite team because of Burrow," or you know, Chase or whatever it is. Right. It's pretty cool that this team that you know we've stuck with for so long is is you know they are what they are now, and there's so much excitement. Man, it is crazy. Like, this year has been one of the greatest years of my life. I remember in October, um, I got married. I, I was, I probably talked to you a couple times because, you know, like, you get pretty hype off your, off the bat. Like, I'm going to tell everybody that's watching this, Andy, for real, like, if it's a big game, Mr. Beer Sack right here is all over. Like, he'll hit me, he'll be, he'll be on the road. He'll be anywhere in the in the world, and he'll be like, Zip, did you just see that? Like, I can't, like, or in, in contrast, you'll be like, man, I'm kind of nervous about this game. And I'll be like, man, we got this. We got this. So um, October, I got married, and then shortly after, the week after, like, these kids that hit me and said, man, you going to the beer sack show? And I'm like, what? He's like, and so so in October, you had a show um, when you actually finally got a chance to go back. How was that show, and what was that like going back to the Natty? Oh, it, you know, it's for me, it's sort of weird because when we first started, um, we didn't really connect at home. Like there wasn't, like we had a little bit of an audience, but it didn't really work. There was a lot of like, at the time what we were doing just didn't really hit with the scene and what like people were interested in and like the club scene uh, in Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky. So when we started playing, like there wasn't much of an audience. And then I moved to LA when I was 18 and really kind of reformed the band. And then it's been fun over the years to come back home and see the audience grow and people that didn't even realize that I was from Cincinnati or whatever else. Like it's a really cool thing. So now when we come home, it's this big moment and people come to the show and it's an exciting thing, but I, you know, I, I'm back all the time. Usually most seasons I go to like three or four games a season. Um, you know, I, I host the the pregame show on, on EBN, which is the uh, rock station in Cincinnati. I host the Bengals pregame shows uh on game day morning so that's always exciting and you know i try to stay as close as possible and um you know it's it's a big part of my life but you brought up uh you never you, you never up, performed at a Bengals game though have you I, I mean i was talking to i was talking to gary you know you've had a friend of your your show uh, i had him on my show last so year gary, we gary about, like, yeah oh okay 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 last year we were talking about like he has subsequently gotten a lot of love from the Bengals franchise he was sort of talking he was telling a story about not getting field passes not getting anything from the team and being like a big notable fan um I've never I've never and one of the things is like I guess I've never really searched for that I'm not saying I'm some big celebrity but I've never really like to me I've always been about like it's a family thing for me and getting to be with you know my family and my wife is interested in the team and we go to the games and like it's just being there in that capacity like i'm like you know i'm very i'm not it's like exceedingly famous so like it seems like a little bit of me being like oh i'm so important please please allow me to show my importance but even still you know um it's just it's a cool thing to get to have some level of ambassadorship with the team over the years like i did rich eisen's show last year and they were so 
they were so surprised that there was a Bengals fan that they could talk to. You know what I mean? And so seeing right. that transformation from just a year ago, trying to convince these guys that I thought Zach Taylor was a good hire uh, to now, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's a crazy situation. But you mentioned, I want to say like, you mentioned being around the world and watching the game. I have, I have so many times where I have been in Brazil or somewhere and the Bengals are playing and I have to figure out a way to find a stream, get decent Wi-Fi, figure out how I'm going to watch the game. Like it's, it's very, it's comical. And I used to be, I had to chill out on it because I used to be like, I couldn't miss a snap of a preseason game. So I remember we had a flight from Australia back to the States and it was the third preseason game. So, you know, this doesn't matter at all. And at all. It's the third preseason game. We're flying from Australia back to the States and I, minute decided that I could not get on the plane because I would I would miss the preseason game so I asked my tour manager this is the most pain in the ass thing ever I said I have to sit here and watch this so we're gonna need to see if there's another flight out like an hour or two later right. and I did that and it, to this day it's one of the most embarrassing fandom things in the world because I I literally pushed thankfully it was a solo tour so I didn't have the whole band like bummed out at me but right. even still I mean that's that's just too much man like I've tried to pump the brakes on that a little bit over the years yeah, man. I mean, good. <laughs> hey, like for me, there's been time. You know, you know the Browns game, like just a couple of weeks ago. Like sure. that was hard for me to watch. And you know, you know, I love the Bengals. Like even that game, like just watching like our backups in there. Like I just, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. Like and so, I, you know, this preseason was very interesting though because this is around the time with Jamar Chase. They were saying he drops a lot or whatever. So they had a game here in D.C. So I went to that game. And, you know, I think it's different for a preseason game, almost like baseball. Like it's it's more of the atmosphere, family, go get some popcorn, go get some stuff, like if you're there. But on TV, yeah, that is a hard – that is a hard day. Especially if you're out of market, man, you got to watch like – The out-of-town broadcast where they're talking about the other team's third-string gunner. You got to hear all about his family life and everything. And you're like, man, this is this is rough. But I will say, you know, like, it's just like I could go on forever about how, to me, like, so, I, and this is going to get maybe too pontificating on, like, how the Bengal football has inspired me in some way. But I've always said that one of the things about me in my life from the time I was a young kid was I was an underdog. I wasn't popular. People didn't see me doing shit in my life. and I just said, I, I always said that I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And I didn't care if other people believed in me. And I always thought it was so funny and emblematic that the sports franchise that I so heavily associated with is one that people, oh, you're a Bengals fan. Sorry about that. You know what I mean? And like, just never, no level of respect on any level. And it always, yeah, to me, it felt like a badge of honor to wear you know, my Bengals pins or whatever on my jackets are going around and just like showing this thing that's symptomatic to me of kind of a lot of things in my life, which is that I've always liked the idea that it doesn't matter if everybody says this is cool. It doesn't, you you don't need to be doing the thing that everybody's doing. And I just happen to be born and raised in Cincinnati. So I got this team, but I think it's like in many ways, the adversity that you face in sports in terms of fandom is that you dedicate so much of yourself to this thing. You have no bearing on the actual outcome of what happens, but it means everything to you. And if you care about something like that, you're willing to ride with it through the worst shit ever to where obviously now we're we're looking at the AFC championship games and like it's it's been a long way. Man, listen, you, 
The reason why I started doing this, I think it was probably like four or five years ago. You probably hadn't even ever seen me or anything. I, I got pretty popular on Instagram because I would do like live streams and stuff like from the games. And at the time, there was no Bengals fans page. This was like one or two. This is just like five years ago. This isn't a long time ago. And my only goal, and I say this every time we interview somebody, is wherever I go, People all I always tell them I'm a Bengals fan. Now, I, in the in the secret part of it, there is a family member that played for the Bengals that I always said I'll disclose whenever we win the Super Bowl. Okay. So, so if that happens, then then I'll I'll let that be known. But um, one thing is I hate when I act when somebody asks me um, when I tell them I'm a Bengals fan, then they come back and they say, "Well, how, like, why would you be able?" And and that happened to me even last week. I was on the news. And some and the and the reporter asked me that question, and I said, and I just ripped off like all these. I said, we got Ocho Cinco, Willie Andersons. I got Ken Andersons. And like, why would you not be a Bengals fan? And she was like, whoa, and, you know. And for me, that has been my whole goal. When I get to the point when I can go to a gas station all over the United States and I can see a Bengals keychain, and people will stop asking me that question when I tell them I'm whoa. a Bengals fan. That'll probably be the day where I'll just say, all right, I'm going to chill and relax, and I'm going to let the kids, like, try to do, like, some of the stuff that I'm doing. But that that's what, I've all been, that's what I'm all about is, like, sending this energy to the stadium. I even went to Paul Brown Stadium and told him, I think you should draft Jamar Chase. I walked up to everybody and shook their hand, anybody, like, anybody in the building. Like, hey, you should draft Jamar Chase. Do you know Jamar Chase? Hey, Jamar Chase. I did that for a whole yeah, day. Yeah, I was campaigning hard, bro. Like even when Burrow, like when Burrow got here, I mean, I was like, I probably lost, you know, thousands, I mean, not thousands, but hundreds of followers because I was like, we need to lose. Like it's yeah. this guy named Joe. We need to lose. <laughs> and yeah. people were like, you don't ever try to lose. I'm like, listen, like, like I, I, I don't believe in a lot of different things, but I think this is one path that we could take. Well, I mean, look, uh, just to go back to what you said there, I have been. You know, I mean, uh, early adopter in terms of social media because we have to. In terms of your career, if you're a musician, so much of what you do lives on letting people know where your tours are, all that kind of stuff on social media. So I've been around seeing that a lot, and you are right. I'm a person in every Bengals podcast every week, everybody, whether that's Locked On, Bengals Booth, the what Pac-Man's doing now, like all every single one. And I have for years, back when there was like one, or it was just Paul Daner, doing the Bengals beat podcast back in the day. Like I've, I've always been keeping up with everything that's happening online. And there was no central hub of fandom. There was nobody getting people hyped. There was nobody doing what you're doing. And that's why when I found your page, I, I followed you immediately. Cause it was like, thankful. Like this is the kind of personality that can galvanize a fan base. And I think you've done so much to get people hyped and you do so much as a ambassador for the fan base. I, I'm, I'm just, I have so much respect for the passion that you show. And uh, I'm just, I'm a big fan. That's crazy. <laughs> like, like for you to say that, like, you know, that that's, that's super crazy. Um, wow. Let me ask you this. Let's, let's move forward. Um, this game coming up, what is this, what does this game mean to you? And what is it, you know, like, what do you think? Let, let me start there. What, what does this game mean to you? We pull this bad boy. I'm going to the game. I mean, well, first of all, I guess I never, I never considered what this moment would be like. Do you know what I mean? Because like, 
full disclosure, like I grew up around, like my dad's family's from Wisconsin and they're all Packers fans. So I grew up around like the expectation of winning for them. They, they didn't really see this as anything other than just something that happens to them. And I never really internalized the idea that like, oh, this could happen to the Bengals and it could happen fairly soon in my life. I guess I just always thought like, maybe when I'm 80, the law of averages will eventually come around for us. <laughs> but the fact that it's here now, um, I want them to win genuinely. And I think that everybody says like the house money thing and we're just happy to be here and all that stuff. But it's a valid point. You look at, look at Drew Brees, look at the Saints, you know, one Super Bowl. And always knocking on the door, years of success, but one Super Bowl victory. And I, I mean, I might be wrong here, but is it one appearance? I don't know if they ever made it back. And I think that when you're in a situation where we have the team that we had the luck with in terms of, of you know, kind of being really healthy all year round, uh, you've got a situation where the division kind of collapsed around us, as you've heard said a million times before. I just want them to win. And if they lose, I will still be happy that we got this moment. I'll still be excited. But I, I don't know about you. Like, I think you're the same way. Like, I want to see him win. And I think that there's a path to it. And I think that, like usual, we enter into this as underdogs with Chiefs fans saying it's impossible for us to beat them, despite the fact that the Bengals beat them very recently. Uh, and I get that it's different circumstances. But, you know, I just I feel like I'm the type of person, like, I bought the dumb T-shirt, right? Like, I bought the, the helmet and helmet AFC championship game. Like, I just I, – I want to remember this moment. <laughs> All you know, it. like – yeah, and so I don't know. It's just it's uh, from a fandom perspective, I, I I get more excited every day that we're in position because it's just something that I didn't. It's not that I didn't believe it could happen. I just didn't know it would happen this quickly. Right. I think um, so. One thing you were talking about, um, you know, like what I've been doing. One thing that I pride myself on too, and I think you're really really good at what you're saying as far as like. You going to every podcast, listen to all these different podcasts on Twitter. Something that we've unveiled, like I think recently, is like we've been having these Twitter spaces where there's like these yeah. big time debates where like we're just now stepping the game up for like Bengals fans, and we're like, because the narratives are so easy to fall in. Like I, I told everybody, I said the day when he got sacked nine times, Joe Burrow got sacked nine times. I said when y'all wake up tomorrow, they're not going to talk about us winning that game. You're going to talk about him getting sacked nine times and use that as like the forefront of the of, of the storyline. And then they're going to go to Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen and be like, they had this epic battle or whatever. And I was like, that's cool. You know, that's cool. But at the same time, what we're doing is like getting all our information together. And we're like literally going to battle with like all the fans. So like even last night, we went up against all the Chiefs. I mean, it was like 500 people in there. Like it was crazy. So we're just going and, and we're challenging each other as uh, fans. Like you talked about the energy, like as just fans, because what did Joe Burrow come to the mic? He says, you know, the, like the, this is the standard. Like we're going to playoffs every year or whatever. So I'm like, as fans, like we can't just be running with these other narratives. We got to go get our own information and speak the truth to these people. And And that's one thing that I've been trying to like push a lot further. And I think this game to me, I will be crushed because I just know how life is. You know, it's yeah. easy to say, man, they'll be back here every year. And, and I really, truly feel that way. But when that window of opportunity comes, like, you're probably a bigger testament to that. You know, like, there's probably different instances in your life where you're probably like, man, if I didn't do that, I probably would have ne never made it here or my band oh, would have cool. never got, yeah. you know, would have got there. So it's like, 
I believe in that too. And and that's where I'm like, man, I I I need I need this win. I need to win really bad in that regard. Cause you never know. I agree with you. You know, one of my one of my close friends, uh the producer of my most recent record, a guy named Eric Ron, he is a lifelong Browns fan, dedicated Browns fan. And last year, you know, obviously we're in a different situation. They have a different quarterback situation than we have, but last year he was walking around and we were kind of teasing about it today, walking around like, oh, this will be every year now. And they're already seeing a very different season. They have COVID, other situations. But and again, I'm not trying to compare our situation because obviously we believe more heavily in what we've got going on in terms of our young team and Joe Burrow in particular uh, than what they've got going on. But what they've got going on. But I will say, you look around and it's you want to take advantage of those opportunities. And I don't want to say, oh, we'll never be back because I don't think that's the case. But you never know. And here we are. We're knocking on the door. One went away from. And by the way, L.A., where I live, the Super Bowl is, is here. My whole life, I thought if. Well, this is the thing. My whole life, I thought. And I don't even want to get into this because it's like down on. on I don't want to say anything about us get the Super Bowl because I don't want to jinx it. Right. But I always thought if there was a situation where the Bengals were going to be in the Super Bowl, I would go no matter where it was. Right. And now that we're in this situation, the only thing I can think of is if we were, if we win uh, on Sunday, like I want to fly home and be in the living room of my parents' house where I grew really? up watching these games. You know what I mean? Like, really? it would be it, awesome to be at the see, game. See, I'm trying to go. <laughs> I know, but see, the difference is like, you know, I, I, every preseason game, every game, whether we were at the stadium or there, like, to like, I, there's no feasible way that I could get the whole family out here, but we can all get together in the snow in Cincinnati in that living room where we watched all these games. So maybe I go, maybe I fly the other way and fly away from the Super Bowl and go watch it on the TV in Cincinnati. I don't know, but who knows? Look, I'm not. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say anything because I, I we got to get through Sunday first. I, I know for me, I'm going to I'm going to the game on Sunday. Got a really great seat right behind our bench, so hopefully you guys see me on TV. Uh, but for the Super Bowl, I was actually coming on here to ask you, can I come with you? I just knew, I just knew that there, there was no world that like you like. Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm certainly, if you don't think I've already called, I haven't called my booking agent manager about who we know. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I say that I might want to fly home, but if somebody presents me with a better uh, option in terms of like, hey, you can just walk down there. We'll see. So if that's I, the case, then we're going. Man, I've been working my tail off. I've been I've been putting stuff out there in the universe as well as like getting with my connects and different things like that. So I, I, I have a feeling if you go there, we will be able to shake hands and finally hug and, and, and rejoice. Okay. Um, what I was going to ask you, uh, what for people that don't know about your music and, and how you got to this point right here, let me ask you this. Why did you change your name from Andy Six? Uh, so that, all right, this is kind of like, this will, you know, this will date me in terms of social media, right? The people who are around the, the age range. Back in the MySpace days, right? Like I was a teenager when MySpace was out and you would just have like screen names. Right, so I didn't. I didn't know it was ever going to become my name. It was just like a stupid thing that I made as my name on there because, because uh, I was I liked Motley Crue, and so all of a sudden then we start taking off and people are calling me that name, and I was like, this was not this is not meant to be my name. Like I gotta <laughs> I gotta figure this out. So like then I had to transition out of like the number six and then my last name, and I was going by both, and then I started a solo project and I needed to differentiate that, so I called it Andy Black. So now Zim. I'm a person with about 14 different names that anyone might call me at any given time. 
I've looked up some, so you know, like like I said, when you first hit me, I said, "Man, this dude is super freaking famous," and I I don't know him, you know. And then so I, I immediately started looking it up, and I'm like, "Yeah, you're right." Andy Six pops up, everything. Your group pops up, and everything. So I don't know. So I I, I think Andy Black is cool for most. I I, I still like Beer Set because I feel like it's closer to Cincinnati to me. That's 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 what I'm, that's right. what I'm rolling with. I read somewhere recently it said that you have a New Year's resolution to not jump out of a moving plane without a parachute. Is that a is that like is that a real statement or is that like something mentally like metaphorically speaking? Uh, it's that I guess in some ways the metaphor is don't do shit that you shouldn't do to yourself. You know what I mean? Like I've been I've been sober for about six years, and when we first started, you know, I was I was so young when we first started and you get into a situation where now um, everybody's telling you you're the shit and you're on tour around the world and everybody's giving you everything in the world. And, and I got kind of, you know, I felt prey to a lot of that as a young kid. And like as an adult, one of my big things has been to just be good to myself. So it is kind of a joke, but it's also like, it's so funny that you bring that up because uh, my niece asked me what she didn't have a New Year's resolution. And I gave her that one. I said, you should do that one. Cause you can, you can, you can hold to it. Don't jump out of a, uh, a plane without a parachute. Man, that's good stuff, man. Um, let me ask you this. For people that aren't familiar with your music, right? I went and checked out. I've added different albums to to my Apple playlist. Don't give me don't give me the 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 current, you know, like what you got currently going on. If someone were to play your album or stream an album like of your solo projects, like whether it be the Ghost of Ohio, the Phantom Tomorrow, any of those albums or anything, what is the one that you think best describes like you? As a person, um, my first solo record called The Shadow Side, because it was the first thing that I ever wrote in my life that was, um, so it was my first sober record. It was the first time I talked about kind of like who I actually am as a person. A lot of, a lot of stuff, you know, I've always written songs from the perspective of taking a personality or an idea and building it into a world. Whereas with that first solo record, I was just literally talking about the shit that I was thinking about every single song every day. It's a pretty dark record, honestly, but uh, <laughs> I would say it probably represents at least where I was at that time in my life most clearly and most, you know, true. Well, one of your, like, let me ask you, would any of your, like, favorite, like, what's the nearest and dearest song closest to your heart? If people are listening to this right now and they haven't heard anything, because for me, I know the first time I saw you, um, uh, I think it's the, uh, it's the, uh, what is it? We don't, we don't have to dance, right? Yeah. So if you guys don't know, this 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 song probably has probably like a hundred million views like on YouTube right now. I don't know if Andy's checked it out anytime recently, but like a hundred million views, I shit you not. And um I my niece listens to a whole lot of different music and I remember her and it's crazy when you hit me, you know, like I've seen you before, but I didn't, you know, like you know, like I didn't put two and two together. But I remember seeing a video in there and stuff there. But like if you had a song that you think is probably like nearer and dearer to your heart, would it be off of that same first album? I would say probably we don't have to dance because it's the most I'm just describing shit that annoys me in the song. Right. So and I would say that unfortunately my personality is often just describing things that annoy me. So that's probably a good representation of me as a person. <laughs> you talked about your uh your new uh your new stuff coming on. Like what do you got going on right now? What are, what are you working on? What tour? What's the new song? What's the new album? So we uh, we just put out a record called The Phantom Tomorrow, my band, Black Hill Brides. We have 
about six or seven new songs done for a, a follow-up record that will start coming out throughout the course of this and next year. Um, we are going on a tour around America uh, called the Trinity of Terror Tour. So tickets are available in some cities. Come see us at your local arena and we'll try to entertain you. When does that tour start? Because I looked at like some of your upcoming stuff with your group um, or your band. And I and I saw it was like Poland, Germany. Like this is all like upcoming in June, though. Yeah, no, we're uh, we'll be in the states March and April, and then uh, we yeah, hopefully you know everything allowing. We had overseas. We're supposed to go to Australia after that, and um, yeah, I mean at this point, you know, one of the things about being a, a touring artist is we basically went two years without getting to work, really, you know, because we couldn't tour, yeah. we couldn't do anything. So now that we're able to do it again. We're just trying to maximize it and get back out there and see everybody. Um, so, you know, some of the international stuff, there's a lot of unknowns because different countries have different policies, but we're doing our best to, to make it all work. And I'm just really excited that I get to do it. I will say, um, very rarely, very rarely tour uh, during the football season. For some reason, it always just works out to where I'm home. I've never been able to plan it that way, but this season was a real challenge because I'd be playing shows during and this is I'm gonna so I'm gonna say a secret right now that I, I I guess if you went to see us in Phoenix on this last tour that we did Thursday night the Bengals are playing the Jaguars and oh what a game I of course can't miss it so the games or the art set time started right at halftime so I go out on stage I had I use in ear monitors on stage. So I don't need front wedges. Those are those. Anybody who doesn't know is the front piece in the front of the show. You know, it's it's a it's a monitor. It's how you can hear yourself. But I use in ear monitors, so I don't need them. Well, that show in particular, I happen to have in ear, or I happen to have stage monitors. And the reason for that is that there was a iPad underneath the, <laughs> the stage that was playing the game. And I promised you, Phoenix, I was still giving you my all. I was paying attention to you, but on occasion water i would glance down now of course i i had to rewatch the game after the show but there have been multiple occasions where that has happened so uh it's been kind of a bizarre season where i've had to make do where i've been on tour and trying to watch games but it's, right. it's kind of fun that way like you end up you know we ended up we were in pittsburgh uh like two days after we beat them the first time i was in baltimore right after we beat them the first time so it's always fun um one of the things that uh, I guess you'll like the story. Yeah, hold on. Is it, isn't it sweet to just say, yeah, like after we beat it casually? Like, the, yeah. isn't it great in 2022 to just casually just say, yeah, like after we knocked the Steelers off? Like, it was wonderful because I always, for years, I wore a, a perfect jersey for all radio appearances, meet and greets, everything in Pittsburgh, always. And, uh, I, uh, normally they'd be like, yeah, but you guys lost, right? So then I'd be like, oh, you know, this was the first time that I got to do it and rub it in. But one of my favorite things that I've ever done on stage related to Bengals is in 2018, uh, we were on tour and we were playing in Pittsburgh. And I went, I the day before, we did a day off and I went to Cincinnati and I went to the pro shop and I bought every little nurse ball, towel, hats, keychains, every possible little like knickknack thing and i bought them out every single one that they had i the next day i autographed all of them and when the, we came out for the encore i had everybody in the band wore a bengals jersey and uh, i right. one of the things that i love about when you're on stage is if you throw something out into the crowd people will instinctively grab it and they're excited about it well playing in pittsburgh 
and throwing out autographed Bengals footballs, <laughs> towels, and hats to a crowd of people and watching. Like one of my favorite things I've ever seen was there's this kid on his dad's shoulders and the kid grabs the, the football and the towel and he's so excited and the dad's excited for a second. And then the kid pulls it down and looks at the logo and sees what it is. And then I watch the dad's face change from like, happiness to like that motherfucker goddess because now because you know, now this is yeah. gonna, like this kid is gonna bring this yeah. up he's never gonna let go of this thing hey Very bro that, that. that's how you plant the seeds that's what we call burrow babies right there so like there's this whole generation of people that don't know anything about any of the pain that we're ever that we've ever endured sure we'll lose games and stuff but like we're I always tell people like you know when i was young i this i was like really too young to be even playing it. But Tecmo Bowl was like a thing. And one of the teams you would never get was the Patriots. Like, they they were the worst team on the game. They sucked and everything like that. Flash forward to my adulthood, you know, Patriots are the Patriots now. So I always tell people, like, you know, like, like even my son, he's five. He thinks the Bengals are like – he thinks they're the Patriots in his world because because yeah, yeah. any time that I think we've ever gone to a game, we may – if we didn't win – he walks out to say, well, you know, like the score is close and he'll just be like the refs cheated or something like that. He, in his mind, it's like the, the Bengals are just like this, this level up. And I don't care if he ends up being a Bengals fan, but I always just, I'm so big on like not following what everybody else is like. You just got to tell people the truth. Like that's all I want is for like Bengals uh, fans and, and, and people that watch football to like stop skipping over the fact that Joe Burrow is like ridiculously good and stop skipping over the fact that we have a lot of different talent and we weren't the Browns. Like, not to just throw a, a lot of shade at the Browns. Like, we weren't that. We went to the playoffs seven out of 13 years. So there is a lot of pain in there. But at the same time, like, they have had regular season success. Absolutely. And I think that that's one of the things that it may be the most frustrating part of what we have to deal with, I guess, as Bengals fans, is that there's a there's a false narrative on every level, uh, certainly nationally, about who this team is. You still see it. Even after these last several off-seasons where they've spent so much money, you see, oh, they're cheap. They're terrible. Right. All we ever hear is about the practice bubble. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that. there's just so many things that are just said over and over again. And, again, that's, for me, one of the things that has always connected me to the team is this sort of underdog mentality. People that believe right. shit that, doesn't, that isn't true. People that don't give you the time of day. Like, to me, it gets me hyped because it's part of my ethics, I suppose, as a person, the idea of showing people that they were wrong. Don't you feel like the Bengals, like, I had this conversation on Twitter the other day, and we're getting really low on time because I got to make sure that I'm being respectful of yours, too. That's all but, good. I, I can do a few more minutes. Okay. Uh, don't you think it's really funny, or I was telling someone this the other day, um, the Bengals, for me, they kind of align, like, they're almost like a self-reflection of me. I know, like, when you see my Instagram page, I, I used to never show myself, and everybody would be like, show yourself more, show yourself more. I'm like, no, like, it's the Bengals. So do you look at Bengals like how I kind of look at it, where it's like almost like a reflection of you? So like if someone says something bad about the Bengals, I'm like, man, you better fact check this. This is like, you know, like I get real defensive. And last week we were on Twitter or something. I made the comment that if you're a real Bengals fan, you wouldn't call yourself Bungles because Bungles to me means losers. Like, I know the word bungle. Like I could go bungle something like I'm just talking about in reference to football. And a lot of people. I'm not just going to limit just uh, Bengals Facebook. They were like, well, we can say that jokingly. And I was like, from our household, like, no, I've never called myself a bungle. I've said the team has been shitty, 
but I've yeah. never said that, you know, like, like, I don't know, in your household, was it like that? Or, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's also just a reflection of, like, a cultural change in terms of the team and the fandom. If you look at Steelers fans, annoyingly so, they have believed that they were always going to be the greatest. Yes! And that's a mentality that they come into our stadium. You know, that 2015 playoff game, one of the most miserable parts of being at that game, obviously the end of it was terrible, right? But just having to experience what we felt the dread and fear of the situation. And they all of them walked in and sit down believing that no matter what, they were going to win that game. And there was never any fear in their hearts. And that's continued my whole life in, in terms of being a Bengals fan versus their fandom. I think we have to, again, taking this to, to the degree that you're, you're kind of taking it in terms of self-reflection, we have to take on the idea that we believe that this team is going to win and not be so self-deprecating or self-effacing because right. you, you got to believe. You're right. Right. And and, the, and that doesn't mean that I can't criticize or expect or demand that my team is better. Sure. It's just we got the world, like you said, in this underdog mentality. You got the world telling you that you suck. I don't need to beat myself up. You talked about some of your victories against, you know, and being and being sober for six years. Like imagine you going back and reflecting every day of your life, thinking about your lowest times. Like, we're not yeah. here to, to do that. We're here to like be better every single day and be what we were born to be. And that's excellent. And I cannot go back. Like, that's just the type of person I am. Like, today is today. Tomorrow is tomorrow. The past is the past. You know, I say that a lot to my son. But for me to sit there and dwell, or even I think when the, even the game I talked about where they had nine sacks, I'm like, okay, cool. He had nine sacks. I get it. The offensive line needs to be fixed. But you think that I'm about to get on a show after we're going to the AFC Championship and talk about like us having sex? It was like, Zim, you're not being realistic. I'm like, I mean, I know what happened, but bro, I'm too, we're too, I'm saying I'm, but the Bengals are two games away from going to a Super Bowl. Well, no, you're right. And I think that, again, to bring it all back to Sunday, this is a fucking awesome moment that we're, we're in right now. All of us, not just, you know, obviously, the, the word we gets thrown around a lot and people get mad about it. I think that what people don't understand when you identify as we is it's more about, it's not that any of us think that we're on the field or that we're the ones doing the thing, but it's more about the idea that you have associated yourself to this thing. You have given yourself to some degree, you've certainly given your money, your time, and your and your heart to this thing. So the, the positives and negatives are things that affect you directly. So I, I say we. And when I do on my radio show, I say we, well, people will sometimes say like, well, you're not a player. And I, to me, I understand that no, there's no one is thinking that I am a, a professional football player. Understood. But <laughs> I, I certainly care. You're a handsome one. Very handsome football player, Andy. Thank you very much. But I will say, uh, you know, it's more about just caring about this. And, and we really give a lot of shit about this. Andy. What is it going to take for the Bengals to win this game on Sunday? And we're going to close out the show with that. Give us the keys to victory. And how can I deliver a W there at Arrowhead Stadium on Sunday? Well, I got I to gotta say, I think that, you know, no one's wrong in, in the assumption that we're going to have to score a lot. I think that the feeling that the last two games are indicative of what this game could be, I don't think is valid because those last two games totally were different in terms of pacing. We certainly are a team that can score a lot of points and did against this very team. Um, yes. But I, th- I think one thing that's kind of a, going under the radar is the complete removal of Joe Mixon from the conversation. You know, he's a better running back than anybody that they have. And I think that 
if we do, everybody's saying if we have to run the ball, it's over, right? And I think that that is, it's it's a mistake because right. we haven't, Mixon hasn't had a great game in a little while, right? <clears throat> but he's had a great season. And I think that he's due a chance to kind of bust out and, and do what he, he does. So I don't know if that's the key to victory, but I do think it's maybe an under the radar thing that could be a factor is if we get Joe involved in ways that, again, we, and we're seeing him involved in the passing game finally after all these years. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think the key is is like everybody kind of says, right? You have to figure out a way to consistently consistently score, fix the red zone issue, right. go down there. I, I love McPherson. We all do, but we can't see him kicking ninety field goals on yeah. Sunday. Um, you know, again, it, this is going to be. I think it could be a closer game than a lot of people are saying. Um, but I also really want it to be a giant blowout where we're winning <laughs> by a lot at halftime. Man, I love that. I'm not saying it's going to be that, but I really. Wouldn't that be the shit? If we, if it's halftime and we're just, we're up three scores, like, just come on. I don't even, I think I would just melt. Bro. Whatever happens, if it ends in a W, just check my Instagram, check my Twitter, because I'm, whatever you thought you would have did if you were there, especially if it's three scores. Yeah. Like, at halftime or something. Oh, my goodness. Like, listen. Like, a game like that. have to figure out the L.A. trip. I, listen, <laughs> I think there's a world where you can maybe like do a little bit of like you know you know some of that Cali you know back and forth. We'll see. Yeah. Look, I, I can't say anything. I've never the Bengals have never been in the Super Bowl, so I could never possibly know what what that moment will do to me. So we'll see. I might just, I might I might ascend into the sky, sort of just into the into the sun, and then burn up because that'll be the final moments of my life. I don't know. Who knows? We don't know what's gonna happen. If the Bengals win a Super Bowl, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm going to do this for you. You tell your band this. I'm going to get a BVB tattoo. Excellent. Excellent. I love it, it might be really small. That's okay. You got, I got Bengals tattoos that are pretty small. You, you, could, you could figure it out. I, I'm looking for the, the right artist to like really like murder out my whole back. But I'm going to – just because I feel like some type of connection – to what you've done and what you've gotten and, and the inspiration that you, I'm going to get a BVB. I, I'm in, and, and I have another thing where I have to get like one of my locks. I got to like change it orange or something as well. But those I'll are two. Get, all right. How about we'll go back and forth here. I'll get Zim, the name Zim. Tattoos. I'll get it. That's <laughs> all right. We can, we can, we'll shake on this virtually. There you go. Let's go. Let's go. I'm saving this and everybody right here is watching this too. So that's, that's the Super Bowl. I, I might tattoo the fucking old, uh, Bengals Tiger logo on my face. I don't know what I'm liable to if, do. If we, if I get a, if we get a Super Bowl, we we collectively just got a link for some part of town at, at some point, and we're gonna go do some of that cool stuff together. I'm gonna like it might take me days to get like my tigers and stuff like that. I'm I, I don't have as many tattoos as you, but a hundred percent, you have my word. BVB somewhere on me. I'll get, I'm getting Zim. Maybe I'll get it underneath. I got the helmet here. Maybe we'll get it underneath. The I think I might get it like, in, like in the inside of my elbow or something. I'm going to pick okay. somewhere like that. But We'll I, figure it out. We'll figure it out. But I got you. I appreciate you. Please tell everybody where they can uh, check you out on Twitter, Instagram, anything right now. At Andy Black on both of – on everything. Uh, and then if you're interested in the band, it's Black Veil Brides streaming everywhere. Look us up and my solo music is Andy Black. But uh, more than anything – a most sincere who day to everyone watching this. And uh, let's get a W on Sunday. Yes, sir. 
appreciate you all for checking this out. This has been like a bonus coverage. It, it went a little bit longer than what I, what I thought, but that's awesome. I think it's really cool. Appreciate you, Andy. Till the next time. Who day, my brother? Okay.